So Money episode 114, Beverly Harzog. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm excited for today's guest. She's a nationally recognized credit card expert, consumer advocate, and former certified public accountant. She's also the author of the new book, The Debt Escape Plan, and three other highly acclaimed books. Uh, She has extensive media experience and is frequently invited to speak at major events and conferences. Her name is Beverly Harzog. In addition, Beverly creates custom content for credit-related websites. She serves as an expert witness for legal firms and assists marketing research firms looking for insights and consumer behavior. More importantly, she knows what it's like to be in thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt and how to get on the other side of that. Beverly has amazing insights, some from our interview. I'll just go through a few as a tease. One, how she did rack up, you know, $20,000 in credit card debt, but more importantly, escaped it in just two years. How she scored her first publishing deal. If there are any prospective authors here on the podcast, you'll want to tune in for this. And how a lack of self-confidence at one point in Beverly's life led her to irrational spending. I can relate to this. Here is Beverly Harzog. Beverly Harzog, welcome to So Money. I'm so honored to have you on the show. Congrats on your book. Well, thank you, Farnoosh. I'm happy to be here. The Debt Escape Plan uh, and also three other books. Uh, tell us about how you became an author. I know that many of my listeners are experts in their fields. They have a book in them, and I want them to write that book. How did you get started? You know, I decided that I wanted to traditionally publish. Uh, You know, self-publishing is very popular right now. It's, uh, you know, it's a great way to make money and reach your audience. But I really wanted to do traditional publishing because I wanted to use the mainstream media to get the word out. And, you know, I have spent several uh, decades, actually, as a finance journalist. So, you know, I had a good feel for the media and what I needed to do. So I started uh, reaching out to agents uh, when I had my first idea. My first book was about uh, person-to-person lending, right when it was just becoming popular. So I was trying to, you know, uh, uh, get on the wave of something that was up and coming. And that was a very good strategy for me that worked. And then I went on to do more books. Once you get your first book with a publisher, it's much easier to get another deal. I mean, as long as the book does pretty well. Uh, right now, traditional publishing is very difficult uh, to break into if you haven't written a book before, but it's not impossible. You just need a great idea, write a terrific proposal, put a lot of research into it, and let your passion shine through. And that's really the thing. You, you also, want to be sorry. Go you ahead. want to be, be sure that you use your passion. You know. But I will also say you need to explain your platform. 
And oh, that absolutely. is becoming more and more a differenti- differentiator between someone who gets published and someone who doesn't. And I unfortunately see this happen a lot is where someone's got a great idea, a lot of passion, great proposal, but absolutely. they live in obscurity and a publisher, because they don't have the marketing dollars anymore to help you promote that book, they want, they really lean on the author to do that for them. And if you yes. don't have a social media following, if you don't have a blog, if you don't have you know, any kind of media traction, they're likely to pass. Have, yes. Was that the experience you've had recently? Yes, that that's one of the, you know, it's so unfortunate because there are some terrific writers with yeah. great ideas, but you were so right. And when I decided I wanted to do traditional publishing, I started working on my platform. Uh, you know, I started working for card rating several years ago because uh, that gave me an opportunity uh, to become an expert in my field in a very, you know, in a very public way. And yes, the platform now is more important than it's ever been because traditional publishing, uh, you know, they, they need help getting the word out. Uh, they're great at publishing and designing and, <laughs> you know, getting the book on the shelves, but you really have to do the selling yourself. Mm-hmm. Talk about your latest book, The Debt Escape Plan. You speak about debt very personally because you experienced mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, you think that at this point we would know enough about how to get out of debt. I mean, you just Google it. There are a lot of websites out there. People have gone through it. You can lean on friends and family to help you. Why the book? So Fardouche, I wrote a book called Confessions of a Credit Junkie about a year and a half ago. And I got so many emails from my readers saying, hey, I really love this book, but I wish I had read it before I got into credit card debt. And so I got so many of these emails and I noticed, you know, I keep track of uh, what's going on um, in the credit industry and I could see that debt was increasing. So I just thought this is the perfect time for this book. Uh, it I had uh, about $21,000 in credit card debt. This happened to me when I was young in my 20s. As soon as I got out of college and started getting all these you know, terrific credit card offers. So, you know, I knew how to get out of debt. I got out of debt in about two years and I thought, this is the time I can really help people with this book. And this is the perfect time to do it. How did you get out of $20,000 in credit card debt? <laughs> Let's just say I had a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> for yeah. a couple of years. I, I had the tuna fish plan, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's really is amazing how much money you can save when you stop eating at restaurants and stop going out for, you know, happy hours every night. Uh, you know, I just really, um, you know, I, I don't want to say I sacrificed everything because I did not. In fact, I think that if you sacrifice too much, you're setting yourself up for failure. So I, you know, I cut back on entertainment. Um, you know, when I went out with friends, you know, I reserved it for happy hours or I could get two for one drinks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and free buffets, that sort of thing. Um, and I cut back on expenses uh, that I didn't need, such as I had a very expensive uh, health club that I, I went to. I did not need to have an expensive health club, but I did need to exercise because that's the way I handled my stress. Mm. Being in debt is very stressful. So I downsized that expense. I started going to a local uh, gym in my neighborhood. Uh, so, you know, my advice is don't give up everything, but cut back on what you can. Keep a few little treats for yourself because you're going to need it to stay motivated. That's unique. I never hear of a, a debt expert saying, you know, treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, Farnoosh, because I didn't realize it 
what I would say was a bit controversial <laughs> until mm-hmm. I started saying this publicly and being quoted in the press. Um, I just think that it's very important. We have to be good to ourselves. And, you know, let's face it, getting out of debt is difficult. It's hard. You know, so it's very important that you do take good care of yourself and keep just a few little treats. I'm not saying go out and buy a sports car. Right. And use <laughs> but, cash for those treats. Don't go right. back But if your latte is important to you, go ahead and keep that latte. But you've got to find that money that you're spending on that somewhere else in your budget to cut out. You know, you've got to you've got to give and take a little bit and just choose what's important to you and what's not. Right. So if not the latte factor, some other factor that can you know add up to a, a substantial savings in the long run. That's right. That's right. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, if your latte isn't important to you, by all means, give that up. But, you know, if it is, keep a little treat for yourself. You know, if getting a manicure every two weeks is important to you, do that. OK, but cut back on your entertainment budget or somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, what is your financial philosophy on all things, Beverly, as someone who is a debt expert, but also an expert, I think, on just living a good financially healthy life? What is your number one money mantra? OK, my number one money mantra would be sort of you know like what I was just saying, don't give up everything, okay? It's very important, though, to have some long-term goals. You know, one of the reasons I was able to get out of debt uh, in just two years was because I started planning. Uh, I started, uh, you know, thinking about uh, what I wanted, where I wanted to be in five years. And you would be amazed at how motivating that is in the present. Uh, you know, I've, you know, I wanted to do some traveling. Uh, you know, when I got married, I wanted to start, you know, saving for my kids' education. So when you start thinking about your long-term goals, that really helps you in the present. So I would say, you know, it's, it's sort of a, you know, take sort of a global view on this thing. Um, you know, if you think about where you want to be, that helps you make the best decisions right now. Right. It's it's the perfect carrot because getting out of mm-hmm. debt to just get out of debt, that's kind of meaningless, right? It's like it is. It's not fun. It's not motivating. Uh, but when you can put paint the picture of a, a rosier life ahead of that, you know, and mm-hmm. very, be very specific about it, whether it's a house you want to buy or a wedding you want to plan, that exactly. gets you mm-hmm. off the couch. Yes, it, it does. And I, mean, I had, I'm a very visual person. So I had poster boards with pictures of a house that I wanted to buy in the future. Uh, at the time I was single, I didn't know if I would get married. And I thought, I'm buying a house, whether I'm single or not. <laughs> and so I started saving for my future. Um, and that, that was very, very motivating for me. What was money like for you growing up? What's your greatest money memory from childhood? You know, that's that's a great question for me because I did not grow up in a family with money. Uh, we had, uh, you know, I would say we had enough to, you know, meet our monthly expenses. But, you know, this was a long time ago. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so we were doing all this, you know, on one salary. Um, so I think that what I learned during that time was that there were a lot of things we could not afford. <laughs> and... You know, I have to say that I think this is one of the reasons why I kind of went overboard when I got out of college. I was making a very good salary. I was a CPA. I was making a very good salary. Uh, when I started getting all these credit cards, I had these huge limits. And I was just sort of drunk with the power of money. And I think uh, 
it, you know, I think that that is, you know, somewhat directly related to the fact that I grew up without it and it just felt really good to spend money. I mean, it was an emotional issue for me. Yes. As it is for so many of us. Mm-hmm. How did you get over the emotional part of it? That's, that's like the, the part that is often the hardest. I agree with that. It is very difficult. And, you know, one of the things I point out in my new book is that you've got to get to the root of why you're overspending. Now, for some people, it's, you know, unfortunately, you might have, you know, a healthcare crisis, something like that. But if you got into debt because you're overspending and, you know, you're basically a credit junkie like I was, you've got to get to the root of your problem. And so I did a lot of soul searching. Um, and I, you know, and I realized I started thinking back to my childhood. Um, I realized too, as CPA, I hated my job. <laughs> I have to say, I totally hated it. Uh, I hated being in a cubicle. I have um, to give you a lot of credit because accounting is not the kind of thing that you can do when you hate it. Like you have to <laughs> love it because it's so boring. <laughs> Let me tell you, I did not do well in accounting because I just, it put me to sleep and I couldn't, I, couldn't, I just couldn't get my head wrapped around it. Like, it's it's like yeah. a, you got, it's like physics. Like you need a whole like <laughs> use a whole part of your brain that is not woken up most of the time. Right, right. You know, my son is just a, a math genius. I have he must have gotten it from my husband because <laughs> you know he did not get that from me. Uh, you know, I actually did pretty well in my accounting classes because I'm a bit of an overachiever. So I was I just studied hard for every subject I had. But I, I really did hate that job. And so I started thinking about that. And then I started matching up, you know, uh, when I would spend money to what happened that day. <laughs> so I started thinking very carefully about, you know, matching up these events. And I realized after tracking this for about, you know, really just took a couple of weeks that if I had a bad day at work, I needed a new pair of shoes. And so you know, it, it was very clear to me that, you know, there was the root. And then I started even going further back. Why? Why do it? Why does this make me feel better? And Fardouche, honestly, I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. This was back in the 80s. And I was in a field that was mostly men at the time. And I felt like I needed power suits to, mm-hmm. to feel credible, uh, that I needed power accessories, power lunches, power cocktails. It really, it was like a never ending thing. It just kept growing and getting bigger. Um, and so once I started really focusing on learning about personal finance and, you know, corporate finance and personal finance are so, so different. It's not intuitive at all. Once I started focusing on learning about personal finance, credit in particular, I started becoming very confident in my ability to control my money, Mm -hmm. really for the first time in my life. And that started spilling over into my professional life. So it was a process. This did not happen overnight. And as I became more confident at work, I was able to uh, rate in my spending. And I got on a budget. I was able to stay on it. So it was sort of like, okay, I could do this and being able to successfully, uh, you know, rated by spending made it much easier for me to keep going. That in itself was motivating. And that may sound a little odd, but, you know, the more I learned about finance and the better I was at keeping my budget, uh, the more self-confident I became. And that helped me uh, resolve that issue and just focus on getting out of debt. 
What was your biggest financial failure? I mean, getting into $20,000 worth of credit card mm-hmm. debt would be one perhaps, but was there something else too or other things that uh, you look back and you're like, wow, I, I really goofed on that one? <laughs> uh, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell this story, but I'll tell it. <laughs> uh, during the time when I was spending, I decided I wanted to go on a cruise. And uh, as you can imagine, these cruises are very, very expensive. This was an eight or nine day cruise. I had 10 cents on my checking account at the time. I know this is crazy, but I wanted that cruise. It was like a young professionals type cruise. And I was going on that cruise no matter what. And I put it on credit cards. So that contributed to my $21,000 in debt. And I have to say that that moment was probably the worst financial decision I made during that during that whole time. And, you know, I, I, I shared this uh, in my book, The Credit Junkie, um, because I want people to know that we all do some really dumb things when it comes to money. But at the time, you rationalize it out. You know, I was thinking, oh, I hate my job. I need a vacation. I'll feel better when I get back. But no, mm. I hated my job even more when I got back because I've had so much fun on the cruise. So I would say, you know, having very no emergency fund, okay, and then spending that much money on a vacation that I totally didn't need, that was a big failure. That really was. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> what, uh, so just to digress a little bit, when, the day that you quit your CPA job, tell take us there. I want to I wanna celebrate this a little bit with you. <laughs> Uh, you know, as I started studying personal finance, I decided I wanted to have a plan to get out of being a CPA, <laughs> to have a better job. So I started transitioning into freelance writing, becoming a finance journalist. Uh, but I was still in debt at the time. I knew I needed to keep the job. That was the responsible thing to do at the time while I was getting out of debt. So I started looking for another job. Uh, I asked for a raise at my current job. In fact, that was my first step. Uh, and I think I, I really recommend this for people. You know, especially if you're in a situation where you've been at your job for a long time, uh, you're probably underpaid and you're not even thinking about that. You're not aware of it. Do a little research and be sure that you're getting market value. If you're terrific at your job, you should be getting more than market value. I really, mm-hmm. truly believe that. So, I, you know, I asked for a raise. I got it. That helped. And then I started looking for another job uh, that was not quite as painful as the one that I had. And that was terrific. So uh, I left my current job, went to the new job. And within two years, I left that to freelance full time. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. So good. You had a plan. That's important. I did. I did. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't something that could happen overnight. And during that time, I learned a lot of patience. Sometimes you do have to go through something a little painful. And this is where the long-term goals come in. You can handle something that's currently a little bit painful if you know it's going to end, if you have a plan and you can see the light at the end of that tunnel. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Financial success, Beverly, what would you say was your ultimate so money moment? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually pretty easy for me. My so money moment was when I paid off that debt, that last check. That was that was fabulous. And you would think I would go out and have a, you know, huge expensive dinner, but I really didn't. (laughs) I just went out and had, you know, a normal great time with my friends. And uh, that was just that was a shiny moment for me that represented uh, self-control, uh, personal growth, and professional growth because I transitioned into what I actually wanted to do with my life. So 
that that was it, paying off that big debt, taking Absolutely. my life back. What, what was the first thing you did when you got out of that debt? Like, do you remember that day or that week? Uh, you know, I went out and I got a massage. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. I'm glad you treated yourself. That's I very did. Beverly of you. Yeah. I'm very big into, you know, rewarding yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been holding up. I'd wanted to get a massage for a long time. Uh, when I get stressed, I get, you know, a lot of tension in my neck and shoulders. And that was the perfect reward for me. The debt had been so stressful and getting a massage at the end of all that, it was perfect. What's a money habit that you conduct? It could be every day or every week. It's conscious, though, that you think really helps to make your finances uh, stronger and that helps you make really what it does. It helps you make the best decisions you can with your money. Okay, Fardish, I would have to say it's checking my uh, bank accounts online every day. Mm-hmm. I actually do this every single day. Uh, I'm looking for you know any indication of fraud, for one thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm also checking to make sure that I haven't overspent, that I'm sticking to my budget. And, you know, I'm, I mentioned before, I'm a very visual person. And so it's when I see a number in a, in a bank account, you know, online, uh, that sticks with me. If I'm over what I should be at that point, I immediately fix this. I cut back whatever I have to do to stay within my budget to totals. So it's, you know, this becomes a habit. Uh, you know, it's very important to develop these good habits and it doesn't happen overnight, but over the years, you know, I've, I've developed some great habits and that's one thing I do every day. I even do it on vacation. We were on vacation last summer and we checked our, uh, debit card account and that we had, there was some theft. We lost like $1,100 out of our account. And so we reported it right away while we were on vacation. So I don't take a vacation from my habits either. <laughs> wow. Was it from your checking account or from your credit it card? Was, it was from checking. And Yeesh. we don't even use our debit card that often. I use credit cards because I like rewards and I don't carry the balance. I pay it off every mm-hmm. month. Uh, but occasionally, you know, we will use a debit card and we still have no idea how the numbers got stolen. But thank goodness I checked it because, you know, one reason I don't use debit cards often is because it could take a while to get that money back. It took seven to 10 days to get back our $1,100. But since we have an emergency fund and, uh, you know, we, we plan carefully how we use our money, it wasn't a disaster for us. But if you live paycheck to paycheck, yeah. I mean, that could have been a disaster. Could be devastating. Totally. Mm-hmm. It could. All right, Beverly, almost wrapped here. Before we go, finish some sentences for me. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I would do is? The first thing I would do is probably take a trip to Italy. I'm I'm just going to admit this. I've always wanted to go to Italy. I wouldn't spend all of it, okay? Well, yeah. Uh, You know, so I guess you could say actually the first thing I'd probably do is budget how I'm going to spend it. But I would also, I would definitely have a trip to Italy. I want to take a cooking class in Italy. And Mm -hmm. this has been on my list for about seven or eight years. Well, you'll have plenty of money left over. So (laughs) hopefully if you do it right. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? I will have to admit that I love expensive makeup. (laughs) I spend a lot I spend a lot on my mascara, for instance. I am uh, I just enjoy putting on makeup, getting dressed up to go places. Uh, so I do splurge on makeup. I admit it. 
You know, I like to combine drugstore with with department store makeup because sometimes uh-huh. the drugstore stuff is just as good. It's packaged by the same people, but just in different colored packages. You know, like L'Oreal owns everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just also, as a tip, say that Sephora, which is this big store that has just every kind of makeup in uh-huh. one in one place. If you join their rewards program once a year, they give fifteen percent off everything in the store. Which for makeup, as you know, it doesn't go on sale. No, no, it doesn't. And I happen to have a rewards card with Sephora. <laughs> yeah. So just look, because I, I think I'm like you in that way. Okay. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on and, and besides makeup. <laughs> uh, we love to travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, last year for our 25th wedding anniversary, we went to Belize uh, for just, just wow. a couple of days because I we... We're both self-employed and we work very hard. Um, you know, a couple you know, of days? Where do you live that you got to go there for just a couple of days? Oh, I live in Atlanta. Oh, okay. So, so it's a quick it, flight. It, uh, well, you know, actually it was about four or five days. Uh, okay. You figure two days travel, only really about three days there. Yeah. But uh, since we're both self-employed, sometimes it's difficult to find a window where we can both get away. Uh, so, you know, that was... Uh, that was something I had planned for years as well. And it wasn't expensive, actually, because I have so many credit card rewards. Uh, so, you know, I used that. You know, I didn't have to pay for my airfare. I even got a discount on where I stayed. So I do like to splurge on travel, but I do that even in a frugal way when I can. Mm-hmm. And Belize is a actually pretty affordable country once you're there. You know, it really is. It a lot really of people is. retire there, as a matter of fact, because uh, it's just the cost of living. You could live on probably your Social Security paycheck. You know, you can. A mm-hmm. lot of people do retire there. Mm-hmm. All right. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? I wish I had just known the basics of if you spend more money than you make, you're going to be in debt. <laughs> and that, that just very basic. Like, yes. That sounds so simple. Okay. But, you know, I say this because I hear from people all the time, Fardish, that feel terrible about their debt. They think that they're the only person that ever made dumb mistakes with money. And that is so far from the truth. I mean, it could happen to anyone. It happens mm-hmm. to smart people. Okay. It happens to people who are very mature, people who are educated, uneducated, whatever. It could happen to anyone. So I just want people to know that it's not intuitive. And if you've made a mistake that you now see as something really simple that should never have happened, don't beat yourself up. You know, you know, just be kind to yourself and just acknowledge that you did the best you could with what you knew at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Better to make those mistakes when you're younger, though. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm glad that I made all those mistakes before I had children and college expenses Mm -hmm. and all these things that that I have now. now. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because? You know, I I like to give to uh, the American Cancer Society uh, or anything that, uh, you know, that... uh, covers childhood cancer uh, because uh, cancer has affected my life in many, many ways with family and loved ones. So that's, that is the number one um, uh, you know, organization or uh, issue that I like to focus on. And last but not least, I'm Beverly Harzog and I'm so money because? I'm Beverly Harzog and I am so money because I learned from my mistakes 
and I fixed it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's fixable, another- ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Money messes are fixable. Absolutely. That is that's the buzzword here. It is fixable. You can come back from it. And uh, I am so passionate about this. And um, I just want everyone to know that you can come back from bad money mistakes. And I did. And this is my passion. And that is why I am so money. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Beverly. Everyone, check out the Debt Escape Plan. I like you, Beverly, not only because you're a nice person and, and you're so educated and helpful, but you're real. You know, you're telling people that you can get out of debt. You, you can remember that you're still a human being and that you have mm-hmm. desires and you have things that motivate you, like buying a couple things once in a while. So, you you know, letting us enjoy life in the process of trying to get back on track is is so commendable and, and um, so refreshing. So thank you yeah. for being with us and good luck thank with everything. Thank you, Farnoosh. If you'd like to learn more about Beverly, visit her website, beverlyharzog.com. You can also check her out on Twitter at Beverly Harzog. Her most recent book is called The Debt Escape Plan, and her other books include Confessions of a Credit Junkie, The Complete Idiot's Guide to -to Person-to-Person Lending, and Personal Numbers, Straight Talk, Big Profits. We've got all this information at somoneypodcast.com. There are also the transcript and comments from this show. And I want to hear from you. Submit your question about money, work, life, guests at somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. There's a very good chance I will be answering it this weekend or the following weekend. And as a reminder, if you'd like to connect with me one-on-one, I'm giving away a weekly free 15-minute money session to listeners to enter in to win. Just hop on to iTunes and leave a review for this show. Every Saturday, I select one new reviewer and that person receives the free 15 minute money session with me. So if you're interested in this, I encourage you to do that and thank you in advance. Thanks again for tuning in everyone. Thanks again to my guest, Beverly Harzog. Hope to see you guys right back here tomorrow. Another fresh episode of So Money. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. So money.